0: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talkie Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talkie Money. This is Mike Miller. So glad you joined us today. We've got uh, some interesting information, I think, today, but we appreciate some of the questions we've gotten in the last uh, week or so, the uh, last couple of weeks, talking about Social Security with Eddie Holland, and had a lot of questions sent in from that, uh, and then uh, also another question from a listener about uh, Roth conversions, and and just really to, to kind of verify what he thought was correct on, uh, on the taxability of that, so we went back and forth a little bit about that. So a lot of these questions I don't answer on the air. We just answer them directly back to the person who uh, asks the question. So I would uh, encourage you to do the same thing. If you've got questions like that, especially those listening via podcast, which some of the questions came via the uh, podcast, you send that email question to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, and we'll get back to you with the answer there, or I'll answer it on a future broadcast of Talking Money. But that's what we're here for is to to answer the questions that you have and a big important part of that is without the sales pitch we don't have a sales pitch behind this there's no product we're selling behind here and uh, too many advisors are doing that Uh, radio talk People are doing, they're, they're really selling something. I'm not selling anything. Of course, yeah, we do provide a service and we charge a fee for that service, but, but I'm not selling that service and, and I, I don't have any kind of hidden agenda for that. And so the conversation today, because I've, I get this question a fair amount of time, and that is, you know, how do you find the right advisor? Do I even need an advisor? And it can be self-serving. So it's a little bit, it's it's like the pastor who says, we're going to talk about stewardship today. And <laughs> we are talking about how you should give money. Very uncomfortable for the pastor to get up there and start talking about, yes, you need to give more money. Uh, stewardship is a little broader based and because and it counts more than just your money. So they get away with it that way. And it, but it's something that, that we all need to be reminded of and and. Over time, people say, well, I need to get a financial advisor, but I'm really am not sure I have the right one. So the question is, really, do I need one? And that's a question you'll have to answer for yourself. Uh, and, and you need to always keep in mind there are things you don't know. Of course, you don't know that you don't know them. And so trying to figure out if an advisor would be worth it, would it pay for itself? Uh, that's that's um, sometimes a hard question to answer and to quantify, now sometimes we can we can see some very real tax savings or some of the kind of savings that that automatically would uh, cover the cost that that client would have. I'd say even even keeping up. So I'll give you an example on the investment side, and then I'll give you uh, an example on the tax side that uh, had a, a client uh, years ago. So this was back in the 2008 crisis and in the beginning of 2009, and. And he, he and his brother were concerned about their their account going down like a lot of people were. So of course, we got a lot of calls, not just from these people, but got a lot of calls. This one I remembered because it's had to be on this one day on March March the 6th. And, and and because the market had been going down, they, like a lot of other people, uh, were very con- concerned about it continuing to go down. Well, uh, we talked through it, and he decided, well, I'm going to stay put. Uh, about three months later, he came back in for his – his uh, review and your review, and the market had already gone started going back up in 2009 and just the gain from when he would have gone into cash in march to what it earned by the time uh, july came around paid for his fee for years and years and years now you know does that always going to happen no we, we don't know we could have given that advice and it could have gone down another 10 percent. You, you just don't know those kind of things but it's it's um, you know obvious that paid for itself. I had another uh, prospect that came in uh, years, uh, a couple years ago, probably now, and we were going through the this, this situation. And one of the uh, things he asked about was uh, whether his he had in the in the recent past had done one of these um, uh, back end Roth conversions. And we'll talk about Roth conversions uh, at a point in time in the near future. But he was talking about what he did. And because of how he did it, there was actually the advisor he was working with, which is up north somewhere that he was working with, had had either not advised him right or he hadn't paid attention correctly because he got affected by this, what we call the cream of the coffee rule. So you, when you do those back-end Roth conversions where you uh, invest money in a a traditional non-deductible IRA then essentially immediately convert it to a Roth. You can't do that with just that money. If you have other money that's in a separate IRA, you've got to really count all of it, not just that. So it doesn't work in every situation. And we explained that to him and, and he never came back. So it, it, he probably never got uh, questioned by it. The IRS probably never came in and audited him, so he probably got away with it. But it's those kind of things that we can keep you out of trouble. An advisor may be able to keep you out of trouble if they're advising you on uh, the right kinds of things. So does it pay for itself? And I know And some people, I, I've had uh, one client that told me, and I know he wouldn't mind me saying this, that he's been a client for probably 25 years. And we were talking about why he came in and so forth. And I had a, a totally different a thought in my mind as to why he came in and what uh, he told me was that he did it for insurance he considered that if something were to happen to him he wanted to make sure that his wife had somebody to talk to to work with that was going to treat his wife uh, honestly and respectfully have her back and it was not going to be trying to sell her something and do something she shouldn't be doing so he considered it insurance it was worth it even though he could have done a lot of that stuff himself um, he chose to, to hire somebody on the outside just to make sure that that his uh, spouse was taken care of. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and go to the, uh, the phones. And we got uh, Robert calling us from Greenville. We'll get back to the uh, tips on finding the right advisor in just a few minutes. But good morning, Robert. Welcome to Talking Money.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks, Mike. Um, quick question. Uh, I'm hearing, and I guess we're all hearing that, you know, with the economy and the situation it's in, that uh, now it looks like the property values are starting to dip and interest rates are going up. Would you interpret that? Again, I know that's a, I think that's more of a, na- Oh, uh, uh, oh so local area.
0: Okay. We're kind of, you're kind of okay. coming in and out, Robert.
1: Okay. Sorry. I'm kind of out in the boonies trying to get back <laughs> to town. Um, now what, what I'm saying is the, we're hearing that the interest rates are going up and property values are dipping to the environment here in the upstate do you think that's going to have a negative effect on property values here because of the big influx or are people going to quit moving here
0: oh wow i um i think i got most of that question i i would like to think it's going to keep people moving here just that's more of a selfish thing just like stay away from greenville we want to we want to keep the. Uh, Keep the environment that we have now, but Greenville does seem to be in a different kind of environment because of the growth we've had. So I, I don't think it's going to affect us the same way as it affects the uh, nationally. Um, but e- eventually, it could. You know, that's one of those things that who knows really what's what's going to happen and how interest rates, especially interest rates, because that's going to that's got to have some kind of a slowing effect on on some people not being able to afford to buy a particular home because they can't afford it anymore because now the payment's going to be two three hundred dollars higher than it was before um so yeah i can see it affecting us eventually um that that i've not uh talked to to other real estate people or even dan hamilton may cover it on his his show um after mine but um so i i my my really gut feeling is and just been looking at things is probably not going to affect it doesn't seem to affect us yet um, but I can't help, but think it, it would at least some, uh, eventually, but probably not as bad as the rest of the country, just because uh, people are just coming in here by the boatloads, it seems like, even though they can't come by boat.
1: Yeah. And, and that's kind of my uh, thinking, like yours. I'm kind of selfish in which they just kind of you know go somewhere else. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> but, thank you, Mike.
0: All right. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Robert. Okay. So, uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about, um, uh tips how do you find the right advisor uh how do you make sure that they're on your side and not on their own side there's a lot of uh, intricate intricate things about that i mean i've gotten articles uh, i've accumulated them over the last several years from aarp the wall street journal has multiple ones investors business daily uh when we used to get that i don't get that one anymore because they stopped sending a paper edition uh the greenville news has had a number of them the greenville journal has had a number of them so a lot of these people give you so i've taken what i think are the uh, what the most common questions that a lot of these other um, publications have put out there so it's not just me saying oh here's what you should ask and to just give you some ideas on the kinds of things you should be asking and the kinds of things to watch out for and from what they've said in their articles plus from own experience some things that uh, you just need to be careful about before you enter that uh, arena we'll be right back Virtually every financial services firm talks about financial and investment planning based on your goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, we can help you define your goals, and we'll do that from your personal cash flow to your income tax to your state and investments to help ensure that your decisions really do reflect your values. We incorporate biblical principles into our comprehensive financial planning approach. Our goal is to help you clarify your decision making and focus on leaving a legacy of financial, social, and spiritual capital. And whether we realize it or not, the decisions we make in life reflect our values and our priorities. Decisions we make today can have lifetime implications. There are rarely independent decisions. A comprehensive financial plan includes things like planning for short-term cash needs, long-term retirement, proactively minimizing debt, continually evaluating the tax consequences of your decisions, funding your child's or grandchild's education, and determining your insurance needs. No financial plan, however, is worth doing unless you actually implement your plan. Our process takes you directly from goal setting to the implementation. I think, we think, there's a good chance your financial stress level will improve when you understand how all of the components of your financial life integrate with each other and how to adjust over time. So we can guide you through a detailed plan towards sound financial decisions, wise stewardship, and a roadmap to your desired destination. A life well spent. For more information, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or call 1-800-588-7526. Once again, the number is 1-800-588-7526. Now back to more of Talking Money. This is Mike Miller. You are listening to Talking Money. If you've got a question that's just burning that you need to, to get some uh, an answer for, or maybe you've been hearing some other information and you just want to double check to make sure it's correct, I'll do my best to answer that question. If you're listening via podcast, send the question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or talk, uh, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, where, of course, you can get into the archives and listen to shows we've posted on there and and see some um some blogs i'm going to post the one that we next next week the one we're talking about today tips on finding the right financial advisor uh we've uh, i've got it in written form so it can be there in case you miss something we talk about today and of course i'll elaborate on a lot of it that won't be there but if you want to listen to that uh, as well as look at the the article uh, we will have that uh, posted by the end of the week next week um, but love to have your questions at Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com or just uh, uh, ask Mike a question when you go to talkingmoneyradio.com. So first, uh, one of the, the common questions that was uh, posted in all these different articles that I read was, is the advisor acting as a fiduciary? And I would say even go further than that or are they required to act as a fiduciary? So an advisor may not be required by law to act as a fiduciary, but they may still just, via their own conscience and their own work ethic, act as a fiduciary. But if a someone is uh, acting under their Certified Financial Planner designation or if they are uh, acting as a registered investment advisor with the SEC, they're required, or like we are with the, the – um, OCC, where as a trust company, you you have even a higher fiduciary requirement than you do even as a registered investment advisor because of the trust services that we offer. Uh, a, a fiduciary, if you're under those uh, requirements, the, you are required by law and your responsibility is to put the client's needs above everything else. So, And that's why most of the people that are fiduciaries and working with clients are fee-only advisors. So the you take that a bit of potential conflict of interest off the table. So there's not a question of, well, do I get this product or do I sell this product? If you're selling products because of the commission, um, because you're not charged in a commission, you're, you're not being paid by the cli- uh, by the provider of the financial product, you're being paid solely by the client, which is different than fee-based. And fee-based, uh, typically, they're, they're fee-based products, but you're still getting uh, paid for, via the the product. The, the client pays their money and the fees in there, then they turn around and pay. Where we, for instance, uh, at Ronald Trust, we did a plan first is that you bill the client directly. So it, it doesn't really matter what the client is investing in, what you might recommend for that client, you're going to earn the same thing. So it, it's the idea is to take that objectivity to a, a higher level to say, I, I have no... Financial interest in recommending one versus the other. Now, one of the things that that comes to play here, though, is it could be the the person who is a fee advisor in charge of by assets under management, where they might get into to a sticky situation is the client says, "I want to give um, some money away. I want to set up a charitable remainder trust that's going to take assets from under your management out someplace else, unless they manage the remainder trust like we do." Or I want to take, uh, over the next couple of years, I want to take out half a million dollars to pay off my mortgage or $100,000 to pay off my mortgage, which is less money that this person will be earning a fee on. So there can be a conflict of interest there. So you want to make sure that the person really is going to act in your best interest, even in that situation, even if it means it's going to take fees away from them, it's still they are, are recommending what is going to be best to you and not and the... Not, uh, what we call suitability requirement. So uh, a lot of brokerage firms, they have the suitability requirement um, where they just have to get something that's suitable for for your goals and needs and, and that kind of thing. There could be two products that, that satisfy that suitability requirement. One pays a h- higher commission than the other. So there's nothing illegal for them to recommend the one that is higher commission, you as the client will probably never even know. I'm, I'm, they're not going to tell you. I'm, I'm pretty sure. They're not going to tell you that there's a lower fee option available that that you could get. So they end up, um, you buy the one that has the higher commission, not even realizing that you had that. So it's important that they, they really recommend something that is in your best interest, not having the commission as, as the um, ultimate goal, because that's when, that's what's going to benefit them the most. So act as a fiduciary, and that's a good question to ask somebody: Are you uh, are you a fiduciary? And and also sometimes they have multiple hats. So somebody has a certified financial planner designation, but they're really uh, selling uh, insurance or annuities or something. And they're, that, that really means they took off their, their CFP hat and now they're, they're, their fiduciary hat and they're now a salesperson. But you didn't notice that they did that. So it, you've got to be also careful to say, okay, in this case, are you acting as a fiduciary? Because in my opinion if somebody is selling you insurance and they're saying, I'm acting as a fiduciary, then they've got to prove how they did a lot of research on looking through all the different insurance products, all the different commission structures, all the different things that were available for what you may need, and they came up with the one that's the best. And the odds of that happening, in my opinion, are very, very, very small. That's not how they do that. So in, in my uh, beginning years, uh, let's see how much time I got. Okay, I got a few minutes here. So in, in my early years, so I, my first years out of college, I sold insurance. And then I was a manager, assistant manager at an at a insurance office. So I understand how the insurance works. That's been years ago. Um, and so one of the reasons I got out of that and into um, my own business initially was because I didn't want to be tied to one insurance company. I wanted to represent the client to find the best insurance product. So that would be more like a fiduciary. I felt even back then that that's what I wanted to do. Well, in just a, a year, within a year after going into business for myself and representing the client, I felt like, well, there, there there's more to what the client needs than what I'm offering. And financial planning was a fairly new profession back then. And so it was not something that uh, you could go to a lot of people and say, hey, what's what's this like? How do you do this? The CFP board, Certified Financial Planner Board uh, of Standards was already in place. Um, and so it was one of those things. So I was uh, I'd like the 2,800 person to get my, my CFP designation. That's how far. Now they're like 200,000 and plus. So there's, there's a lot more of us out there. But I was one of the early ones to get that. And, and and then within five years after starting that business, we started plan first and plan first was and started right from the beginning. This is back in 84 to be a fee only financial planning uh, advisory service. But when we recommended things, we gave the client the option. It's okay. We can help save this mutual fund or help save this insurance product, uh, but you can go anywhere you want to. So we wanted to make sure that we try to keep it as objective as we could. Now, most of the clients stayed with us and, and we sold them things. Well, after a few years, I started I started getting concerned about that because when I wanted to recommend that a client change from one particular mutual fund to another, well, there would be another commission. Uh, so my concern was, is the client going to think that I'm recommending this because it's the best for them or because I want a new commission? I said, well, there's, there's got to be a better way for this. And that's when we changed in the early 90s, like 91 to completely fee only so that when we were managing assets for somebody, we said, okay, look, I'm going to change. We're just going to use all no load funds, indexes, things like that, so that we can just charge a fee on that so that if I want to recommend and think a client should change from one to another, they should have confidence, at least more confidence, that I did that for them. It wasn't going to cost them anything to move from one to another. Is because I really felt like, based on my research, that they should change from one to another. And so that's where I got into the fee-only part, and that's why I got into the fee-only part, because I really wanted to make sure that the client felt like and realized that I was doing what I, what I felt was in their best interest. So we'll talk more about that. Is your advisor an advisor or a salesperson? What are their credentials and experience? What should a financial planner actually offer? We're going to cover all those things as we come back from the break. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. <music> Ronald Blue Trust is a Tennessee-chartered public trust company. We can serve as trustee, backup trustee, personal representative, or what we call PR these days, or the guardian or conservator of your estate. Now, it's very important that you appoint someone you trust who really knows you and your financial situation. I think it's important to have the confidence you need to feel comfortable knowing that your estate and trust plan is carried out to reflect your goals and objectives and the plan reflects your values. Ronald Blue Trust Solutions include assistance with managing trust assets, settling your estate, and even helping with a special needs beneficiary. Those of you listening who have been the beneficiary of a trust know how important it is to choose the right person or institution to help navigate the duties as administrator of the estate or trust. It's not unusual for someone to name family members or even close friends as trustee of their personal trust. You need to be as certain as you can be that this responsibility is not going to weigh too heavy on them or their family, especially at this already difficult time. If you are dealing with challenging family dynamics or complicated family structures, or perhaps your beneficiaries will need help managing their finances, and I don't mean just the investments, but overall cash flow, tax planning, and more, or if you have some very specific wishes that you want to be sure are carried out at your death, or maybe you have a current trustee relationship, but you're unhappy with the fees or the relationship, give me a call. It's worth at least a conversation. This is Mike Miller. Call me at 800-588-7526. Or send an email to mike.miller at ronblue.com. That's 800-588-7526. I look forward to speaking with you. Now back to Talking Money. We're about uh, 25 before the hour here on Talking Money. So glad you're with us. Talking about how to find the right financial advisor. So I talked about why you might need a financial advisor in the first part of the break. Talked about uh, acting as a fiduciary or are they an, an uh, a fiduciary? And already talked a little bit about whether or not the the person that you're talking to is an advisor or really just a salesperson. And I alluded to some of the things already in the first uh, half of the of the show today. Um, but really, you want to make sure that they... The person's truly representing you, whether they're uh, selling, uh, they're compensated by commissions or by fees. Make sure that they're really representing you. I just think it's easier and less complicated, and less part of less potential of conflict of interest if um, they are uh, just charging an annual fee, no matter what they recommend. So, just how it, and and how much an advisor is compensated—that's very important for you to know before you go into the new relationship, and make sure you you ask the hard questions. Like, really, I want to know. How much is is not just how much you might get paid, but how much total are the fees? Uh, what's what's the total cost going in there? If I'm using mutual funds, what's the cost of those mutual funds? If I'm using indexes, they're typically next to nothing to 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 charge. If I'm using international funds versus uh, domestic funds, if I'm using private placement uh, investments versus uh, public investments, they they all have different charges to them. So you need to understand what the difference is before. I think, before you go into a relationship. So there was a uh, text that came in, is there a difference in how a fee-only system versus fee-based systems paid via either product is reported for income tax purposes? Uh, potentially, there would be. Uh, not so much now, because really with the miscellaneous deductions and you don't really have um, the capability of, of deducting those kind of expenses, it, it doesn't matter. It used to matter more when you'd have the fee separate from the product if the product if the if the uh, commission or the fee is built into the product um, then they probably don't separate that for you for tax purposes but it's really not an important thing anymore so that that uh, really is uh, something you don't need to to worry about i think the bigger part is it, it understand if somebody says they are fee based make sure you understand what that means Typically, that means I'm fee-based, but I also have other products that I can sell you. And those are the kind of situations you need to be careful to make sure that the, the advisor is acting as a fiduciary in all aspects of their advice to you and not just some. And that that you know the difference and that they explain the difference like they're supposed to between, okay, here I'm acting as a fiduciary. Here I'm not acting as a fiduciary. And I think if more advisors did that, then there would be a better educated buyers on whatever they're trying to sell for those particular products. But just ask about the fees. You just need to know the total cost. So what about credentials? What about experience? Because I think about every letter in the alphabet has been used to get credentials for somebody that's doing financial planning. Uh, The CFP is the one that uh, the CFP professional or CFP designee, those are the ones that they're the board tells us we're supposed to say. So when I say I'm a certified financial planner professional, I'm not just trying to brag so I'm a professional. That's what they tell us. We're supposed to say professional or designee, and professional just sounds better to me than designee. Um, but that, that one is probably the most widely known as the, the respected, and one of the reasons I think it is more respected is because they're continuing education, and I think probably more important is the ethics requirement. Uh, so you have some accountability that, you know, you have a an organization that if there's somebody that's doing something they're not supposed to, you can go to the CFP Board of Standards and say, I, I got a complaint here. I need to to report this person. They're not doing the things that they should be doing. So other designations, the CI, CIMA, CLU, CHFC, PFS, CRPC, CKA, CFA, and all these, uh, and CPA didn't mention, and, and some of these like CFA and CPA aren't necessarily ones that are doing financial planning. Uh, the CFA particularly is doing something that just has to do with investment and investment design. Well, that's not financial planning. That's a piece of financial planning, but that's not financial planning. Uh, the the, CFA, the uh, CPA, uh, most of the CPAs are doing tax work, auditing work, and things like that. Now, there are advisors, like we have three advisors in our office that are CPAs. They're, they actually also are personal financial specialists, the PFS, and Eddie's also a CFP, so they have other training on top of the CPA to qualify as a financial planner. The CPA, typically the ones who you think of, do taxes. Well, they they are pretty good at reporting taxes. Some are better at tax planning than others, but just a CPA CPA by itself doesn't mean that somebody's doing financial planning. And and really, and don't I'm not a uh, Trying to say at all that because somebody's a certified financial planner professional or one of these other designations, that automatically qualifies them as competent or with the kind of experience or expertise that you need to do the planning that's done for you. So you need to 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 make sure this person is qualified to do what they do for you. But of course, it does mean that they've done. They've made an effort. They've at least got some knowledge. They've taken some education. They've passed some tests, and and there's some accountability if it's the right kind of, of uh, designation that they have. So just don't have the make sure the advisor is not one that just depended on that designation to say now I've got all the information I need. Now that's just that's just the basics. Then you you want to continue to research and study, gain more knowledge after that. My wife will tell you I did I did hours of that, especially early. I still do, but uh, early in the years of starting uh, plan first, the financial planning before we moved to Ronald Blue Trust, just getting a business started, financial planning was new. There wasn't as much out there to uh, glean from. So you want to make sure the advisor is still trying to always improve and and get better at what they do. and And beware, last thing about credentials, beware about the advisor who uses their, Certified Financial Planner designation or some other designation as a smokescreen. They're really selling products, but they got that to make it look like they're a fiduciary and they uh, really are not acting as a fiduciary when they sell the particular product that they are are selling you okay so what what should a financial plan offer i was looking at that question at the same time that ad was running at the bottom of the hour that uh, talking about what uh trust does as part of the financial plan what's it offer so the main things because you want to distinguish between a salesperson or a device now that doesn't mean the salesperson's bad that you don't need that annuity you don't need that insurance product uh, and so forth but you want to make sure you understand the difference between this is a salesperson that's selling me a product and this is the person that's my financial advisor a good financial advisor is going to offer things like cash flow analysis just to help you determine how much money you need to live on how much is available to put towards your future goals like retirement or education and or other things maybe you want to go into business by yourself at some point in time all that cash flow analysis and, and to help maintain that every year uh, an objective insurance review, that's your life insurance review, that's your disability insurance, that can be your umbrella liability, that can be your property and casualty insurance, to look at those things to give you an objective uh, overview of what holes you might have in your liability, especially your liability protection that would mess up the rest of your plan. All right, you got all this great retirement plan, but your insurance is not protecting you like it should. So you want to make sure that you have a, a good insurance review. Um, the, a common uh, service that financial planners would provide, the retirement projections, you know, how much do I need to set aside so that when I want to stop working, I'm going to get, uh, I have enough money to, to stop working and live off my investments and Social Security and that kind of thing and then the distribution planning. So that's the second part of this. All right, it's good that you're going to get up and you're going to do uh, earn the money and get what you need, but almost as important is distribution planning. So part of the retirement planning is going to, I think going to include making sure that you have not only before tax like IRAs and 401k money, but also that you have some after tax, whether it's Roth money, whether it's a, a regular after tax brokerage account to give you the maximum flexibility when it's time to do distributions of where the money should come out of to try to minimize your income taxes, minimize your social security taxes, minimize your Medicare premiums, those kind of things. Uh, and sometimes you can't plan all that. There's Somebody's wealthy enough that they're going to be taxed on all that stuff. But there's certainly... Some things you can do in every situation to help reduce um, the the taxes and and make sure on the redistribution plan, which tax planning is another one. That's a very critical aspect um, of your financial planning because it affects you ongoing. You, you, you get an initial plan, but then every year there needs to be a certain amount of tax planning that's done in a, in a financial planner. If they're a, a correct financial planner and they're really your personal CFO – then your chief financial officer, then they're going to help you with that every year. And that's that's to help pay for their themselves. They, they want to make sure that they are are paying for themselves, that it's a value to you, that you're adding value to the relationship. Investment analysis, that's kind of a given. Say, so yeah, we want an investment. If we're managing, actually managing them as well, which we do with most clients, but some clients we don't. We do an investment analysis and make uh, suggestions, make sure you're in the right Investments, the right risk level, among other things about that. Then, last thing is um, estate planning. You want to make sure that the your affairs are in order. You have all the right documents there. That do you understand uh, the um, results of what's going to happen with the way you want things transferred after you're gone that your documents actually do that. You minimize estate taxes, which is easier right now. It's going to get harder probably after 2025 when the state laws reverse back to the old uh, rules. Uh, But it's still making sure. And a lot of estate planning has to do with income tax planning, not necessarily estate planning. You put the two together to really maximize the estate planning process. Okay, so uh, we, we'll take our last break. We'll get back. We'll talk about um, how does they, uh, when you first see an advisor, how do they sell themselves? How do they, how do they explain what they do? What about complaints? And, and where do you start your search for your own personal CFO? We'll be back after this short break. The answers to most financial questions are uncovered when you understand that there are only really five uses of money. And when you know exactly how much you are spending on each of those uses. At Ronald Trust, our comprehensive financial planning process helps you plan for living expenses, debt, savings, taxes, and giving. Well, let's focus on saving for retirement. Planning for retirement is much more than a magic number that answers the question most people think of retirement planning, how much is enough? You need to know the answer to that question, but other questions are important to consider as well. Questions like, how will I determine what my next chapter is? How can I use my savings and investments in a tax-efficient manner? How will inflation, investment returns, and personal decisions impact my time frame? As you approach retirement, don't look at it as an end, but rather as a beginning. We don't sell any products at Ronald Blue Trust. We are fiduciaries whose only desire is to help clients be the best stewards they can be with the resources God has given them. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money because we want you to get the answers to your questions about money with no hidden agenda to sell anything. If you'd like to learn more about Ronald Blue Trust, to find out if we can help you, please call 1-800-588-7526 and tell Chelsea you heard Mike Miller talking about Ronald Blue Trust on the radio. It would be my pleasure to speak with you further. Once again, our phone number at the Greenville office is 1-800-588-7526. Now let's go back to Talking Money to answer more of your questions. And we've got about 10 minutes here left on talking money this is Mike Miller certified financial planner professional Mike Miller talking about how to find an advisor if you decide you need one and find one we talked a lot about that in the first uh, three sessions of today uh, but the one of the things I wanted to emphasize some is did, did the advisor when you go to see an advisor uh, did they emphasize their ability to provide above market returns did they talk and really in general about their performance uh, right out of the bat? And and even sometimes offering you a portfolio, showing you here's a portfolio that uh, I think w- I would recommend to you based on uh, what I know about what little I know about you already. And that's one of the problems if they start talking about themselves and they're not asking you more questions about what really is uh, your history of investing, what is your your temperament with investing, what are your goals. Uh, do you know the goals? Because one of the things that we we do in our office is to try to help people define their goals. Because you don't want just in general. Well, yeah, I want to retire. Well, let's let's get down and and get more uh, specific about that. So um, make sure that they don't do. It. It's it's kind of like if you went to a, see a doctor and when you went in to see the doctor he spent all this time talking about himself and how good his credentials were and that kind of thing and and then um, maybe asked a question or two and then gave you a prescription so what would you think about that doctor you think I don't think he gave me the right prescription because he doesn't know anything about me. I know how you feel sometimes. You go to a doctor and it seems like they rarely spend any time with you. And somehow they already know what the answer is for your particular situation. Um, And that's that's not what the good doctors are going to do. They're going to spend some time finding out what really is going on. And, uh, before they just make a prescription. So the same thing applies to a financial advisor. Um, and, and actually when, when I was putting this, um, blog together and writing it, I wrote my rough draft, checked it some, and then had my wife review it and, uh, she helped edit it to make it more, uh, readable. (laughs) So because sometimes, you know, I can get too uh, carried away with some of the more technical stuff. And one of the things she added to this section was, is, is the advisor, uh, is pushing you to buy something right away he's not even meeting the suitability requirement if the advisor says he is being paid by his company and not by you that is false and and that was such a good comment i hadn't thought about that i've said it before on the air but it's something that you need to know because i hear it all the time with insurance salespeople. they're selling annuities and say you ask them what the commission is says I, you know i don't get paid by you the insurance company pays me you, you well that's that's not true the commission that he is making on that sale which you are paying for is what his company is using to pay him so you, it's still costing you money so make sure you understand the what the actual commission is whether he's getting he says he's getting paid to it or not that that six seven eight percent cost whatever it is sometimes ten percent that's got to affect your return whether you think it is or whether you can see that it is or not it, it is it's got to because they're paying him six percent of your money so it's got to come from somewhere so um, don't feel pressure to buy anything. You won't feel pressure to buy anything from a good advisor. And if some advisor is offering you a big percentage back on investment or guaranteeing you a big return on your money, those are red flags, I think. Okay, careful. Because you don't want to be working with an advisor just because his past performance, especially his recent past performance. Oftentimes, they're showing you a portfolio they would recommend but it's one they just put together. It's not one they've been using for their clients. You'd want to ask that question. Is it one you've actually been using for your clients over time? Or is this one you just put together? Because anybody can go through and look at past performance and see ones that have performed well, put them together and say, here, look at the performance. Look, this is what I'm recommending for you. And look at the performance of this. Well, just because something has performed well in the last even 10 or 15 years doesn't mean it's going to perform well for you. So don't rely too much on performance or somebody that's selling uh, past performance. Uh, so you yeah you don't want to do a short uh, look at things over a short period of time. So the best financial planner, uh, one thing I say here, best financial plan, a planner is the one you will stick with. So that financial plan, if you stick with that plan, that's probably a good plan. That advisor is probably a good advisor you're sticking with. Um, next thing, have there been any complaints? Uh, so with FINRA, which is what the brokers are are overseen by, or the SEC, which registered investment advisors are seen by. Or I should have added OCC to this because the um, Office of Controller Compliance that is of Currency is, um, is overseeing uh, trust companies. Uh, but are there any complaints there? Uh, so you can look. Uh, there's, there's places to check. And if you want this form, I'm going to post this uh, blog on our site next week. But, uh, so you'll have the web addresses. But the FINRA address is uh, www.brokercheck.finra.org brokercheck.finra.org or you can go to the sec and look at their database and just go to the sec.gov and you should get the adv part one you can also go online and get the part two the advisor can provide you with part two which has even more information than part one uh and then you can go uh in into their system to say okay i want to i want to know what uh, you have reported to the sec before I decide and look at that public disclosure database to see if they if they manage more than 110 million it'll be in the SEC, if they manage less than 100 million, it'll be under the um, state securities that you're in. And so you'd go to the secretary of state's office, somebody like that to say, what kind of complaints have you had with uh, this particular advisor? But don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated to ask these tough questions. Uh, any prospective good advisor has got nothing to hide and and you'll be glad you ask and they won't mind that you ask. A matter of fact, they could be proud of that say, no, I've not had any any uh, complaints registered against me. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's easy to check and something you should check, just don't assume. So where do you start your search uh, for your own, what I call personal CFO, chief financial officer? Where do you look? Well, you can ask for a friend or relative and, and somebody you respect, but you want to make sure that that person is qualified to even uh, review their own advisor because I know I've met a lot of people who use an advisor that I would say, wow, that advisor is not really a financial advisor, but they're happy with them. They think they're getting everything they need. They just don't know what they're not getting. Uh, so you'd want to ask somebody who's pretty savvy with, in financial matters uh, so that they can really know if their advisor and, and maybe ask a follow-up question to that. Uh, what is it that this advisor does that make you feel like they are good and they're doing what they uh, should be doing for you. You can ask um, a CPA, ask multiple CPAs, ask attorneys, especially uh, tax attorneys, estate planning, a tax attorneys work with a lot of advisors and the good ones uh, should at least heard of the financial advisor that you're, that you're um, talking to. Uh, and if not, then there's you know at least a yellow flag and not every tax attorney is going to know every financial advisor. Uh, we work with uh, I think most of the good estate planning attorneys in town and so they're they're very familiar with us but it's it's just a third person third party person that you can talk to. To get that information, uh, research the internet. Uh, another suggestion my wife put in here. Research the internet. Read the descriptions, what they offered. Of course, marketing people put that together. So you, it's, it's a good idea. You can at least see their qualifications and things like that. And maybe their reviews, maybe they're not, but you can check reviews to see if any are posted on that. Uh, be careful about asking the client, the, the advisor for client referrals. Uh, of course they're only going to give you the names of people who like them uh, just like when you're looking for a job, the referral references are going to be people that like you. you're not going to put down there somebody that doesn't. Uh, but still if you if they have uh, a couple of clients that are in your similar situation that they worked with for a number of years, uh, get that name and call them and say well what's it been like? what are the what are the kind of things from your perspective? What are some of the things this advisor have done that you really liked and and why you stuck with them it's, it's a good place to to look. Uh, last caution: Don't be enamored with someone who's on TV. Or you know, I've been on TV a lot over the years. Not so much lately, but I was for years. Or quoted in a publication, or listed on one of those you know those best of sites. Uh, because a lot of those are done. I think most of the ones I've seen, they're, they've done because how big you are, your assets under management, how much your how much your production is, and sometimes just how much money you made. Um, it doesn't really address the the question that you have: is what's the quality of the financial planning? that they provide and that's really what you want so if you want to get more information about this uh, go to talkingmoneyradio.com we'll post it later this week as we post a number of blogs Uh, did get the one text question about uh, talking about unified management versus separate account management we're going to talk more about investments in a couple of weeks so uh, stay tuned for that one but thanks for listening today if you got a question for me mike at talkingmoneyradio.com or just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, ask Mike a question. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back next week for the next Talking Money.